Thank you, Patty. Really appreciate that. You did a good job. We were very blessed. Well, uh, you guys, I'm trying to get in a space here where I'm not echoing. Um, the technology is so wonderful whenever it works and whenever it doesn't. Well, we realize just how dependent we are on it. And at the end of the day, it uh, disappoints. But there is someone in the midst of us right now who promises that where a few of you are gathered, I will be there with you, and that is our Lord, and he never lets us down. So regardless of everything that works or doesn't work, we do know that he is at work. And that's why we take this moment and uh, we gather any prayers that need to be collected so that we can pray for one another. And uh, we have celebrations that we can also lift up and praises that um, are on our mind as we come into this room. So Robin, you are just right out of the gate wanting to jump in on that. So what's on your mind? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So please pray for Rachel and Brent. If you're here last week, I think Rachel was up here speaking. If you haven't, if you don't remember, then you don't remember, then your memory's not working. Um, but uh, Rachel uh, and Brent own a, um, a, a, an elderly care facility, and there's COVID uh, that's happening there. So they're getting hit pretty hard. Uh, some of us are getting hit pretty hard during this season, and, and so we need to lift up uh, uh, not only them, but uh, our friend Rich Capel and his mom, Denise, who are still battling with COVID. Uh, pray as well for uh, Kevin Bryan, who I know is also struggling with that. Um, and uh, Vicki Zubedi, she's recovering uh, from uh, uh, some time in the hospital. Uh, so anything else uh, that we need to mention? And Kathy? Diane Hostetler. 
and Diane Hostetler as well. We are glad to have our boys home. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yes. Thanks for the prompt, Kathy. Uh, Christian, as you know, was working in the Republic of Georgia, and they were getting ready to lock things down again, and he escaped again. And he and his dog, Quevery. Uh, so uh, Quevery put the charm on everybody, except Nigel's a little iffy about her yet, because uh, you know how dogs are, fighting for dominance. But no, they're getting along great. So I do praise the Lord, and I thank you for uh, praying for uh, Christian and Quavery, because uh, it's been pretty heavily on our minds. Uh, so glad to have uh, those guys with us. Um, anyone else? Patty? I'd like everybody to pray for my friend Shirley. She's got uh, health problems. Okay, pray for Patty's friend Shirley. Okay. Joe Carroll? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very, very tragic. Uh, and it was just mind blowing for sure. Anyone else? Joyce? We have a special uh, Bonnie who's been in the hospital for two more Thanksgiving. She's had an aneurysm, an aneurysm stroke. Uh, they're trying to bring him off the ventilator, and then he's able to come out. Okay. Uh, mm. Okay. So your cousin Lonnie? Okay. I don't know uh, when, when or if this is live streaming. I'm not sure that it is, but. You know, we're trying to record this, so hopefully uh, if you're with us, uh, someplace on the timeline ahead uh, that you can be praying for the people we're mentioning. Anyone else? All right. Let's go ahead and just take uh, everything that uh, we brought before the Lord to him and ask for his help. Would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, in this season, as we gather, we know the range of emotions that we have seems to be escalated in every direction. And we thank you that you are that stable source that we have that we can stand firm upon and weather whatever storms come our way. We're grateful, Lord, for just helping our people in the past, showing yourself faithful, being with our church through a very long storm. And hopefully as um, things begin to pivot in a, in a new direction, that front and center would be our gaze upon you leading the way. And Lord, as we've lifted up all of these praises and requests, as we've mentioned them by name, we pray that you would receive them and that you administer to each life in the form of blessing and healing and whatever it is that uh, even hasn't been mentioned that we bear as a burden and have brought into this room that you would be at work in those situations as well. Father, we are grateful for the, the rhythm of the calendar that causes us to stop and ask the question, what was it like for your son to come into our world and what difference does it make? And I pray, Lord, that it would not go um, unannounced or uh, un, uh, un, unexamined as far as our hearts and our minds are towards that event and the event later on of the cross and the resurrection. Father, we know that he came to put things right, to reset the groanings of creation and the brokenness of humanity in such a way that you promise us that you are making all things new through him. 
So, Father, may the significance and the weight of the significance of that uh, just come into our hearts and our minds so that we can have full appreciation of what you have done for us. I pray for your blessing upon the things that we're still unfolding as a church, the opportunities that we have to serve, the ones that we plan for, and the ones that you bring before us in the moment that we hopefully are prepared to respond to. And we ask, Father, that as a church, your Holy Spirit would fill us with your presence. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and do those things that we cannot do within our own capacities that make us alive uh, in the Lord. And as we just bring the, the shy yet very powerful presence of your Spirit to bear upon our lives today, we ask that if we are in a space where we need to have your conviction that you would do that in a, in, in, in a loving way so that we can be placed in that, in that, in that, in that mode of being that uh, is where you want to see us. And if there is a hurt or a burden that is brought here, please just comfort those hearts and encourage them. Give us the mind of Christ as he as he sought to see it come alive in his disciples as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Have you ever watched um, a Western movie and somewhere along the way in the sequence of the unfolding of the antagonist uh, uh, being, uh, being basically uh, put in his place by the, um, by the hero in the storyline, Somewhere along the way, somebody dies. And when that happens, there's usually a chaplain or a priest or just a, a parson or even a minister who gives the eulogy. And typically, they'll end it with this phrase, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know how I memorized that from watching Westerns? Wasn't he reading the Bible? And I'm like, that's somewhere in the Bible, right? Well, in my annual Bible plan, I read it one time uh, in the book of Job, and I'm like, oh, so that's where they got that. But then I thought about it a little more, more deeply, and I realized that that is really uh, very descriptive of so much that we experience in this life. We have blessings that we, we never know what they are until they are gone. We have capacities that we only realize how important they were until they start to diminish or we lose them. And, you know, I was thinking about that, just the things that you take for granted. Uh, you know, Christian brought his dog, Quevery, over, uh, and so it's been fun getting to know his dog, and she has lots of charm. And Nigel is my other dog who isn't so sure about what this means as far as where the universe stands in relation to him and us and the house. Well, in trying to keep up with Quavery, he sprained his front leg and his rear leg. So he woke up and he couldn't walk. And um, you, 
and I, and I don't want to joke about this, but, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And where do we go from there? And then to make the day even more interesting, because I had to stay on the couch sitting by him all day or half a day, the power goes out. And I was outside, and it fluctuated on and off, on and off, on and off. Anybody have that experience yesterday? Some of you maybe in my neighborhood. Um, I didn't realize exactly what was going on, but uh, my wife actually yelled at me because I was outside picking up stuff, you know, in the windstorm. Probably shouldn't have been, but, you know, I'm still learning. And as, uh, as she did, she said, the power's off. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of noticed that, but I didn't realize what else was going on until I went down to the basement. And what happened was the pump fluctuated on and off pretty dramatically. It actually ruptured a pipe. Wonderful. A pipe that I couldn't fix because it was a part of the water filtration system. So I cleaned it all up, got it all ready to go, and I'm like, I haven't eaten anything yet. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, and I wasn't going to be eating anything because my son went downstairs and he yelled. And in the process of that happening, the water tank that is the reservoir burst. And I'm like, really? And the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And I spent a lot more time repairing that. And about 11.30, we had water so we could flush the toilet and take a shower and not stink for you guys today. But it's that taketh away part that I struggle with. But then I remember that that passage came from the book of Job, which happens to be known as the oldest book in the Old Testament, even before the things that we have about Genesis. It seems like in the tradition that has been around a very long time. But if the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, does he giveth again? And the good news is, I certainly believe that is what the New Testament is all about. How God says, I'm not going to leave you in that place. My desire has always been to give. But the way things work in the world, as it tries to function apart from him, things break. People break. Relationships break. Creation breaks and groans technology breaks. And God sees all of that and he recognizes that that's not the desired end of the glory of his creation. And there's really only one answer. And it's an answer we've been talking about during this whole course of Advent that is forming in the womb of the one Patty just sang about, Mary. And this child is special, different. Definitely a child who is from another father. And by another father, I mean other than anybody, namely Adam and anybody that would follow him. And that child came into this world so unique and so predisposed to show us in a fresh way that the Lord is in the business of giving again. 
starting with giving his son. Now, what's interesting is we've gone through uh, the Advent devotional. We've landed in a weird place called Philippians chapter 2. And if you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, he has really not much to say about Christmas, about the birth of Christ, which is odd. And yet, if you dig a little bit deeper, you find that he is actually taking that birth and he's applying the significance of that birth in the letters that he's writing to churches, not, not unlike ours, so that they can not only know what Christmas is about in terms of a historical event and what God has done, but they can also ponder what it means. Because I, I wonder sometimes after the Christmas tree is put away and the lights are wadded up and thrown into a bin for somebody else to untangle. I wonder sometimes if we don't find ourselves asking the question, so what? I know the world is because churches are dying and a lot of people are saying, so what? And I don't know if it's because we've misrepresented the significance of it, we've lost it, or we've distorted it. And our hope has been that during this, I would say, COVID reset, we've been humiliated enough that we are asking the best questions. Lord, where are you? Lord, you have taken away. Lord, will you ever give again? Lord, do you hear our cry in our struggle? And I believe that the answer to all of those questions is a definitive yes. Matter of fact, Paul even goes so far as to say all the promises of God are yes in Christ. But you may be saying right now with me, so what? What does that have to do with what I have to face when I walk out of here? Bills that I'm having a hard time paying. Or a person that I know that I love deeply that is that is disconnected from you and, 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 and disconnecting from me. Or that thing that is so overwhelming right now that I don't know that I have the capacity to overcome. And if those are just a glimmer of the things that you brought into this room, I believe your so what can, can turn into a what if. What if I brought Jesus into my world, could he make a difference? Now, the Apostle Paul wanted to write and tell us, yes, he can. I know because my life is a testimony to that change. Because just as he was born into circumstances in this world, he also spoke to me and then became alive in me, literally became born in me as well. And I find that people who turn to him have that same thing happen, that he becomes a presence where the things that you feel like have been taken away from you, he starts to not necessarily on his own change or fix, but he starts to walk with you through it towards healing and redemption and a greater purpose. 
Have you ever imagined what it was like for Jesus to look at the responsibility that he had been given by the Father to remain God, but to voluntarily reduce his ability to do God things to the point where he is now constrained in space and time with self-imposed limitations, where essentially, if you can imagine going into some kind of a game, for example, and saying, now I am that player, and I've got to work within the constraints of that player, and I can't be a God who just comes in as a new player and changes everything. I have to be one of the players. And I have to play the game the way that they play it, even as I am voluntarily constraining myself and my capacity to see the past or see the future or to do miracles without first asking the Father to do all of those things, reveal all those things to me. Can you imagine Jesus saying, I'm going to step down from my divinity and I'm going to take on humanity when he knows very well, and this is the mystery, of course, of, of what God's knowledge is, and I won't go there other than to say what he did brings credibility to what he said. And as he did what he did, I can only imagine, and, I, and this is just me imagining, what would it be like for you to see in the timeline people not only doing very harmful and damaging things to each other relationally within their families, which we have a clear storyline of that from the Bible, but also people doing things that are unthinkable that oftentimes involve torture and death. With that realization, knowing that he's going to make himself so vulnerable that he's going to have to be subject to those very dark things. Now, I don't know in that thought experiment what it was like for Jesus, but I have to think to lend credibility to who he was as one who could speak for us because he got it, that that's what he had to do. And Paul writes about this in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Matt read it just a minute ago, but we'll reset some of it. So if you, if you don't mind, we'll just take a quick look at those verses. He said, and this is something we've covered before, but I want to see it through the lens of Christmas. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, because he got it right. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to take its own advantage. So he just said, I'm reducing all of that capacity and ability, and I'm going to live like they live and think like they think, but only different. Rather, he humbled himself and became nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, which is unusual for any God to ever deign to become one of us so that he could rescue us. Most of the time, the gods in the pantheons of the Romans and the Greeks and all the other religions and all the other nations that obviously had religion None of the gods would say, I want to join them, but rather they would say to special people, let's just rule them. But this God said, if we are going to rule them, 
We want to rule them in the way that is in the best interest of everyone and everything. But to do that, credibly, he had to become one of us. So he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on an instrument of torture. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So when we celebrate Christmas, and you were to ask the Apostle Paul, who's pretty nerdy in his understanding of theology, he would say, that's what I have to say about Christmas. But I wonder, what is it that you have to say about Christmas? Because I go into Christmas with a little bit of fear and trepidation. I know there's going to be drama. I know that Christmas vacation is just a, 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 a parable of the way it goes, Right? I think that's why it's so perennially popular, because it just basically describes what can go right and what can go wrong. And I know that our emotions from sadness to joy and elation are going to, if they're normally in this range here, they're going to be more like that. And every other feeling that comprises the month of December will be basically um, supercharged especially the feelings of grief and loneliness and longing and brokenness and fear and the feelings of pain. I know alcohol sales go way up in the month of December. And I've driven by the packaged liquor and just seen how much business is up this month. And I recognize that there is that need to self-medicate from it all. But so does Jesus. And his take on it is, I'm not going to fix it for you, but I'm going to go with you through it. And if it needs fixed, we'll fix it together. And in the end, it'll be us together doing the work of the Father together. And as a result of that experience of having him come alongside, it really gives a personal dimension to our faith, doesn't it? And I'd love to tell people when they come into my office or they come into church when I pray for them that God's going to fix your problem right now and right away. Sometimes he actually does. Because we're in such desperate straits that we just need an immediate response. Oftentimes, what he will do is say, we're on it together. We're in this together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you, and then working from there. I love that about the Lord. I pray that the Lord will reduce the drama of the month of December, but we're only hardly halfway through it. So I suspect 
We've got a lot of the Lord coming alongside us in the midst of it as we go through it. Now, one thing, for example, I, I know about the usage of alcohol is that you can self-medicate with it, no question. I do not recommend that because that's where you begin to depend upon something that is supposed to be filled in that space by the Lord Jesus. And he will help you with whatever it is that you need that buffer from. He'll not only help you, but he will actually begin to bring something new and fresh in the midst of it. And I calculated my water situation, and I realized that even last year I was looking at it and saying, it's on its last leg. Maybe that was the Lord saying, I don't know, Leonard, that's on its last leg. You better do something. I'm like, no, it's good. But I will get a new water system out of it, and it won't be on its last leg anymore. It'll cost me, but I believe the Lord will provide because he always does. And that's just a trivial thing in the broad scheme of life's pains and fears and longings. So I just, I want to offer some thoughts here today. And the first one is simply this. Jesus came so that he could be in the middle of everything. Not off to the side, not up in the sky. But what Paul is saying is, whatever you have in your life, that maybe in your own mind you're thinking, I'm the only one, I can assure you as a pastor, whatever that is, you are not. And probably there's somebody that I could even say is going through something of an even greater magnitude. But I don't want to trivialize anybody's pain here. I just want you to know that Jesus came so that he could be in the middle of everything. Now, if somebody asks you for help, and you're sitting on your lazy boy chair with your remote control, and you're quick to tell them this is how you do it, they're probably not going to give you much thought as far as your heart and your mind and your desire to help them through it. But you know and I know as a parent, as a friend, as somebody who just cares when you come alongside somebody and you have maybe the aptitude or the ability to work through something, well, first of all, if you don't want them to call you back, you show them how to do it. If they are in a place where, let's say they're working on electricity, you may be saying, I'm seeing some bad signs here. I don't think this is your calling. I'll just do it for you. But I want you to know that in this need, I'm here with you. The Lord works in very specific ways for the sole purpose of either equipping us through the pain so that we can help other people in the, in, in the time ahead, or he works to just basically rescue us when we are helpless. But he works in the middle of everything, and oftentimes he's doing it in collaboration with other people, like the church if we really are seeing what's happening. Here's the second thing Jesus does. Jesus is for us so much. He placed himself in the middle of everything, the good, the bad, the ugly of the earth. 
And when Luke opens up the, his book, and in chapter 2, he unfolds the revelation of this big event of Christ's birth to, of all people, shepherds, who in that day were sketchy. And he's saying through the angels, this good news is for everyone, including you. And I'd like to just give you the assurance that no matter who you are, what you've been through, what you've done, what kind of mess you've created for your life, God is for you. And God is in the business of coming alongside and helping you to untangle the knots you've got yourself in. And as he does that, he's calling us to use that experience because he doesn't waste anything to help other people. Now, my parents, they, they were pack rats. They saved a lot of stuff. They didn't waste anything. But in the end, when they moved, they threw away a lot of stuff. And maybe some of you are like that as well. You're hoarding all that stuff with this thought, I might need that someday. God's kind of like that, but he's like in real time saying, we won't waste that, but we'll very quickly put that to use. And he might even be using you this Christmas because you've gone through grief, because you've gone through your own bad or your own ugly, or you're celebrating because you appreciate your dog who can walk and your water system that works and your house that can have heat, which we didn't have heat for a while. And I'm, I'm, I'm making this plan, Jason. How can I take my mini split and hook it up to my generator and not electrocute myself? About the middle of it, I'd be giving you a text. Hey, Jason, I know it's 2 o'clock in the morning, but can you help me out? God is in the business of just taking the moment where you feel like things have been taken away and coming alongside and saying, it doesn't matter if it's good or if it's bad or if it's ugly. That's why I'm here. And I'm here for you. The shepherds, they really were discounted on pretty much every social metric. And God said, I am here for you. And Jesus takes himself, places himself in the middle of it all, experiences the middle of it all, and what does he find when he comes here? Fear, pain, grief, longing, or just people who are living a very misguided way because they've been disconnected from the source of the one who made them, designed them, and then activated them to live life here on earth. And most of us, if we're not dealing with the top four, we all, Paul says in Romans, <laughs> are misguided in our way of living. And some of us have come to our senses and realized there is a great tradition that the church is a vessel for called the story of Jesus. And we haven't always represented it well, and sometimes we've done our own part in taking the 
the four that I didn't mention yet and making those happen uh, even to a greater extent. But I think many of us, if not all of us, struggle with fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of death, fear of the possibility of blessings being taken away and still knowing you have to bless the name of the Lord. There are so many things that in a given day, cognitive psychologists will even tell us we are wired for fear. It's a self-preservational mechanism. When we look at something, one of the things that our brain is saying, I just think of myself like the $6 million man or the Terminator. You know, there's like a little computer thing in front of my eyeball. There's like a contact, and it gives you the threat level of each thing and how you should fear. And if it's not that, it is pain and how we don't like it and how it takes hold in the form of fear if we're trying to avoid it. Then there's grief, and December is the worst because of all the times that you gather as a family, we know that this month is the month where you think about other gatherings that have happened in the past and how much you miss that person, how much you long for that person to be reconnected again, and that leads to longing. We long for something that's just beyond the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, don't we? We long for something that says there's something that God has given you despite all of that. No, let me take that back. Inside of all of that. Because that's really what Paul is saying is Wherever you are at with your fear, Jesus is in the middle of it. Wherever you're at with your pain, Jesus is in the middle of it. You may not see or hear him because you're not maybe trying to connect with him. Wherever you are at in your grief, Jesus is in the middle of that. Wherever you're at in your longing, Jesus is in the middle of that. How do I know? Well, for three years, his life was recorded in four different gospels to display that he was in the middle of all of those things that people were going through. And his goal was to redirect us, not just away from sin so we can avoid hell, but rather his goal isn't to do something to avoid the negative, but rather his goal is to show us that there's a better way. Matter of fact, that he is the better way. And Paul wanted us to not only underscore that, but to essentially place him in every moment of every day at the center of it all. And the one secret I've learned from this aspect of Christmas is that when I live my life without first putting him at the center as the source of it all, it starts to go sideways. It really does. And I have to habitually and frequently, and daily, and weekly, look at all the stuff that is going on in my world, all the relationships that I have, all the aspirations and hopes that I have, all the things that I have, 
And I have to put him first in light of all of that. It's the only way that it works. Now, when we do, what we find is Jesus did come to rescue us, rescue everyone and everything from the powers of darkness at work within us and over us. See, I think before he came down, he saw that. But he loved us so much, he said, I'm going to throw myself in the middle of it. One thing that Jack Austin, Jack Austin had a lot of sayings that have stuck in my mind and have been very helpful. And I remember him saying one time, no good deed goes unpunished. You go to do something good for somebody, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to probably involve some pain. And I remember him saying, hurting people hurt people. So imagine Jesus looking at the cross-section of humanity through space and time, but especially that moment when he came and all he saw was hurting people. And if hurting people hurt people, he knew it wasn't going to be good. He knew that he was going to get hurt. Now, I, personally, if I know I'm going to get hurt doing something, I typically don't throw myself into it. Do you, do you guys do that? You know, do something, you know you're going to hurt, get hurt, and you're like, yeah, that was dumb, why did I do that? But Jesus didn't have that second thought. He said, I have to do that, and I'm going to get hurt. Because I want to help. No, I want to rescue. And so he comes into our world, and he addresses things inside of us. The Sermon on the Mount definitely deals with that. But he also addresses the things over us when he casts out demons. When Paul says, in effect, what's going on, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities and the things of the, of the, of the dark realm. Jesus could see that view of earth as we see it. Then he saw that other layer of the unseen and the agents at work there, and he said, they need rescue. They are not going to get themselves out of this without me coming into that. And so this is how I want you to think about Christmas from Paul's point of view. It's very humiliating to go through the drama, the range of emotions, the things that we do that are miscalculations, the words that we say that don't quite come across right, the gifts that we give that they're like, thank you. And you know when somebody says, that's interesting. You know that's code language for, don't you? A trip to the return counter the next day or two. That's just the way it is. It's humiliating, but there's a reason why it's important. And when God placed himself in the middle of this situation through his son Jesus, he wanted to do it so that he could come into the middle of our lives and bring us good news that he has overcome that there is one who has become part of this situation, walked through it, worked through it with people, but in the end, there was only one person who could do what needed to be done. 
And he faithfully did that for you and I. He went through all of that, the humiliation, the torture, the death, so that we could have peace, so that we could have comfort and joy, so that we could have hope. But because there is a barrier between the Creator and those of us who are misguided, we need somebody to say, I forgive you. But Lord, I've said bad things. I've said th bad things about you. I've cursed your name. I've done things that I don't even want to mention. I have a list of regrets that I see in my rearview mirror. I, I am not worthy of your love. And I know Jesus would look at each of us and say, that's not the point. The point is, I came into this world so that you could know the kind of love that changes you from all of that to what, I hate to show you this and reveal this to you, but what the Father intended you to be the whole time that you're not. And that's love. Patiently, longingly, expectantly, wanting each of us to be brought back into a right relationship with him. And that relationship always works the way it should if we keep him front and center. And I don't know where you're at with this good news. Maybe you've been walking with him for a while and you've just said, I've kind of edited you out of that role of being primary. And maybe you said, I've kind of even deleted you. But God's saying, that's okay. I haven't deleted you, nor will I ever. And maybe you said, I don't believe. And maybe the church has given you a lot of reasons why you shouldn't. I hope to recover that testimony in such a way as to say, we are not perfect people by any stretch. But there is something about the name of Jesus that is just bundled with the kind of power that no other word or phrase can conjure up, even remotely close. And it is because he is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is, he is the forgiver of our sins. He is the atonement of our sins. He is the one who is the wonderful counselor and the mighty God. He is the one who understands every test and every trial and every temptation that you go through. And he has qualified himself to be a person who could come alongside because there is no hypocrisy in him. There is no duplicity. There is simply just faithfulness to the Father's purpose that is directed towards each of you so that we can know him. Sometimes I think people come to church and maybe they don't hear that often enough. Yeah, if we keep going in a misguided way, it will all just come crashing down to where at the end we have nothing. But if we embrace him, there is something about him that aligns us in such a way that we have everything that matters. I want to give that gift to you.
Because the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. But the Lord giveth again in a way that assures us that through his son, he will never take away again. And I hope that this gives you some joy, comfort, hope. If nothing else, I hope that his love comes through in what we've shared today. Would you bow with me? Our Lord Jesus, as your messenger, I pray that the words that I've said have been in alignment with your intentions for us this morning. That if there are things that I've said, Lord, that have been in concert with your spirits leading through this message, that are provoking of us in this room to orienting our lives towards you. I pray, Father, that that would take hold. I thank you, Father, for those in the room who have taken hold of that hope and now display it as as an ornament of grace to the world around us. And I thank you for the joy and the love and the hope that is embodied in those who have said, I now live in you. I now live in the sanctity of your kingdom. I now acknowledge that there is no other power at work that is the greater than the power of your son. And I'm at peace. And I pray, Father, that you help us to share that good news in a fresh way when so many are turning away from it. It is only by the enabling of your spirit that that information takes on personal life. So Father, personally, powerfully, and in a life-giving way, help us to know you as we know about you through these words and as we know you in the hearing of them. Thank you, Father. Bless our church. Help us to be who we are called to be to the people around us in this season. And I pray this in Jesus' name.